Michelle, which one do you have? Charlie. Charlie? Yeah. I, Charlie, we need to add that la 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 part to the, uh, that evidence song. Yeah, we need to do that. She was just singing it out now. Yeah. She's going to be a future amener right there. If you have your Bibles, they won't be on the screen this morning, so if you have your Bible, I want you to open to Mark 14. We're going to jump ahead in our study of Mark just a little bit today as we observe the Lord's Supper. In the 14th chapter of Mark, we're going to read verses uh, 22 through 26. As we spend a little time in preparation here for the observance of the Lord's Supper together, we want to go to this passage which recalls where Jesus instituted this. It's the New Covenant. Mark 14, verse 22. While they were eating, he took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it. And he gave it to them and said, Take it, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will never drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's pray together. Lord, as we spend this time today of fellowship with you, like your disciples so long ago, I pray, Lord, that you would have us to concentrate and focus solely on you, our need is and always has been, always will be you. And I pray, Lord, thanking you for the sacrifice that Jesus made to redeem us, to make us new, to offer us forgiveness. And I pray as we observe the Lord's Supper today that we would do so in remembrance of him. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The picture here is of Jesus with his disciples in the upper room. It's on this last night that he has with his disciples before he will be arrested and carted off uh, for trial, and then eventually uh, he will be crucified. And he's with them, and he's observing the Passover meal. And so he would be up there, and they would have enjoyed that meal together when we get to the point where he then says, I I'm going to do something different. And I want you guys to always remember what happens here. It's at this Passover meal that Jesus institutes the new covenant, which covers all believers. This marked the end of the Old Testament ceremonies and sacrifices and rituals. And a new covenant is established with the broken body and spilt blood of Jesus. There are not many more moments, uh, more serious, more solemn, in all of Scripture than this moment. In Luke, we hear that Jesus tell his disciples as he looks around the table, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. And I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. In that Luke passage, you get the picture of what's going on with Jesus, that he's there with his disciples, his closest friends, and he says, I have desired, I have longed for this moment that I might enjoy and partake of this moment that we have together. 
This is, this is where we get the, the terms Last Supper and Communion. It's the Last Supper being this last evening meal that Jesus partakes of with his disciples. And communion, because this is the sacred time of fellowship and remembrance between Christ and his followers. The original Passover meal was comprised of a whole roasted lamb or goat. And when I say whole, I mean whole. As a matter of fact, if you read what happened in Exodus about that meal, uh, you're not, it's not going to sound savory to you. But it's a whole roasted lamb or goat, unleavened bread, and bitter herbs. And this is the type of meal that was prepared that, prepared that evening and served there. And they were there in the inner room, uh, or the upper room, and they, they dined on it. And they've enjoyed that time of meal together. And then Jesus takes a piece of bread and some wine, and he institutes a new observance we know as the Lord's Supper. And as often as we participate in the observance of the Lord's Supper, we are told to do so in remembrance of Him. When Jesus took the bread, He blessed it, and then He broke it and gave some to each of His disciples. He told them that, take, this is my body. And then He took a cup of wine, and after offering thanks to the Father, He passed the cup around that they all might drink from it. For so long, the Jewish people have been under the law and its requirements. Yearly sacrifices had been mandated to deal with the sins of the people. Hundreds of thousands of animals will be sacrificed on the Day of Atonement. God had ordained uh, it so for the people as a requirement for His mercy and forgiveness in light of their sin and their tendency to go their own way. And now Jesus is indicating that the law required year in and what it required year in and year out will now be done once and for all in him. All of that Old Testament sacrifice, every drop of that shed blood of every single animal was a foreshadowing of the coming of Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When we participate in the Lord's Supper, as God's people, we are honoring Christ through our remembrance of his broken body and his shed blood, which made our redemption possible. So this begs the question, who is to participate in this observance? The Lord's Supper is for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. They've placed their trust in Jesus for their salvation. The Lord's Supper is only for those I would ask you that as we pass the elements in a bit and observe this time together, that if you are not a believer and have not placed your faith and trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, that you not participate. Now, this doesn't mean that you're a bad person, and it, and it certainly doesn't mean that we're trying to exclude or embarrass you. As a matter of fact, rather, it's because we love you that we ask you to refrain from participating, because in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul cautions us with these words. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man who must examine himself, and in doing so, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. Paul is saying that those who partake of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner eat and drink judgment upon themselves. And as those who love the Lord and love you, we ask that you not participate and bring this judgment upon yourself. I might also add that the admonition of Paul is directed at believers. 
who would approach this time casually or carelessly. This is what the people were doing then. Paul couldn't, couldn't commend the Corinthian church in their observance of the Lord's Supper because of the division and factions caused by certain people. I'm going to stop right here just for a moment. I'm, I'm going to step out of the pulpit and onto a soapbox. Um, we don't think it's any big deal to have fights among ourselves anymore. Can I tell you something? That's not how the Lord feels. If there's anything in your heart right now where you've got division or faction with anybody in this room, me or anybody else, you know what you need to do? You need to take it to the Lord right now and give it to him. He's serious about it. And Paul couldn't commend them because of that and because of their selfish and careless approach to the table. They were coming in. They actually enjoyed a time together where they were going to fellowship and, and, and give to the poor. I'll talk about that more at our fellowship luncheon today. Uh, and the rich people were showing up and eating all the food and drinking all the wine. And they were getting drunk at what's supposed to be the Lord's Supper. And Paul was like, I can't commend you in this. Listen, it's in these moments that, that all believers, all of us in this room that are believers, need to examine our hearts and prepare ourselves for the observance of the Lord's Supper. Isaiah 53, 3-5 says, He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from men, from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. As Jesus broke that bread in the upper room, it depicted the breaking of his body. Jesus, in the hours that followed that meal with his disciples, would find himself punched and slapped, kicked and spit upon. He would have his body flogged with a leather whip that had pieces of metal or bone embedded in its thongs. It would have ripped the flesh from his body. He would have a crown of thorns pushed down into his scalp, piercing the skull, and then be beaten about the head with what amounted to a cane pole. He would then be forced to pick up his cross and start to carry it toward the hill on which he would be crucified. But his body, bruised and broken, caused his Roman executioners to press into service another to bear the cross to Golgotha. And reaching the top of that hill, he had his hands and his feet nailed to the wooden beams of that cross. And then the cross was lifted into place to bring about the slow, agonizing death he would ultimately suffer. And he did it all. For us. And when you hold that small crumb of bread in your hand today, it is this scene of his broken body upon which you should reflect. And when Jesus took the cup and passed it around as it was tipped at each disciple's mouth to pour the wine, pour out the wine within, it's to be a reminder of the blood he would pour out and spill for our salvation. Max Lakato relates this story. Mommy, I'm so thirsty. I want a drink. Susanna Petroisen heard her daughter's pleas, but there was nothing she could do. She and four-year-old Guyani were trapped beneath tons of collapsed concrete and steel. Beside them in the darkness lay the body of Susanna's sister-in-law, Corrine, one of 55,000 victims of the worst earthquake in the history of Soviet Ar Armenia. 
Calamity never knocks before it enters, and this time it had torn down the door. Susanna had gone to Corrine's house to try on a dress. It was December 7th, 1988 at 11.30 a.m. The quake hit at 11.41. She had just removed the dress and was clad in stockings and a slip when the fifth floor apartment began to shake. Susanna grabbed her daughter but had taken only a few steps before the floor opened up and they tumbled in. Susanna, Gayani, and Corrine fell into the basement with the nine-story apartment house crumbling around them. Mommy, I need a drink. Please give me something. There was nothing for Susanna to give. She was trapped flat on her back. A concrete panel 18 inches above her head and a crumpled water pipe above her shoulders kept her from standing. Feeling around in the darkness, she found a 24-ounce jar of blackberry jam that had fallen into the basement. She gave the entire jar to her daughter to eat. It was gone by the second day. Mommy, I'm so thirsty. Susanna knew she would die but she wanted her daughter to live. She found a dress, perhaps the one that she had come to try on, and made a bed for Guyani. Though it was bitter cold, she took off her stockings and wrapped them around the child to keep her warm. The two were trapped for eight days. Because of the darkness, Susanna lost track of time. Because of the cold, she lost feeling in her fingers and toes. And because of her inability to move, she lost hope. I was just waiting for death. She began to hallucinate. Her thoughts wandered. A merciful sleep occasionally freed her from the horror of her entombment, but the sleep would be brief. Sometimes always, uh, something always awakened her, and it was the cold, the hunger, and most often the voice of her daughter, Mommy, I'm thirsty. At some point in that eternal night, Susanna had an idea. She remembered a television program about an explorer in the Arctic who was dying of thirst. His comrade slashed open his hand and gave his friend his blood. I had no water, no fruit juice, no liquids. It was then I remembered I had my own blood. Her groping finger, numb from the cold, found a piece of shattered glass. She sliced open her index finger and gave it to her daughter to suck. The drops of blood weren't enough. Please, Mommy, some more. Cut another finger. Susanna had no idea how many times she cut herself. She only knows that if she hadn't, Guyani would have died. Her blood was her daughter's only hope. And the blood of Jesus is our only hope. The Bible teaches us in Hebrews 9.22 that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sin. And in Ephesians 1.7, the word says, In him... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of grace. Let's pray. Lord, as we enter into this time where we will absorb, uh, observe the Lord's Supper, this, this time of eating the bread and taking the cup, I pray, Lord, that our focus would be solely upon Jesus and the sacrifice he made to cover our sins. His broken body, his spilt blood, without which there would be no redemption for sins. So Lord, I pray that today you'd be with us as we fellowship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul said in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three and following,
For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we thank you for your broken body. Jesus, how you offered yourself as a sacrifice for our sins. You took the penalty that we deserved. And when we partake of this bread now, we give you thanks. For you are due all glory and honor for our redemption, for your love and your mercy. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your spilt blood that you willingly offered for the sacrifice of our sins. So Lord, thank you for forgiving us and thank you for the sacrifice that you made. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, for this time that we had to observe the, the Lord's Supper, that we would have this fellowship together with you, it is a time just for that, that we remember what you did for us in your broken body, in your spilt blood. We thank you that you loved us enough to send your son to die on our behalf and to redeem us back to yourself. We pray, Lord, that you will be with us each and every day that our lives may be a picture of the love you've extended to us through your son Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We're going to have a time of invitation now. And although this service has been nothing but really an, an understanding of the Lord's Supper and observance of it, it may be that you're here in this place unable to participate because you've not yet given your life to Christ. You've not trusted in him for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you would like to do that, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. So we always have an opportunity for people to respond to the gospel. So would you stand to your feet right now? And I am going to ask that as we begin to sing in just a moment, if you have any decision you'd like to make, I'll be here at the front to receive you. And you come as we sing.